When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. What's up, Boom Tree Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown, the official episode of the Boom Tree Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilbert. You might know me by another name. You might know me as the boat. Oh my god, you're my three boat, for sure. You like how I did that? I did that very, like, fluidly. Yeah. It rolled. It was very percussive at the same time. I felt like I was in a rhythm. I felt like I was in the pocket. And speaking of the man who's always in the pocket, he can lock it like a socket. <laughs> His name is Frank Jinkatanis. You might know him as West Coast Frank. Sexy numbers from a sexy player. Love those numbers. Sexy numbers. I love those numbers. You know, you'd think one would get tired of that. But you really don't. You don't. Like, you know, I mean, I yours don't. is... Yours is longer than mine. <laughs> it, it, yeah, yeah it is. That. And yet, what's funny is <laughs> I sent you like, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I sent you <laughs> I like, like that. I sent you like three or four different versions of that, and you actually ended up picking like the longest one. So that's on you. That's on you, buddy. <laughs> yes, I like them long. What can I say? <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think yours was the best one. Yours was the, the, that one was the best one. That, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pick only the best. I'm the boat. I gotta go for the best. It's true. Um, Frank, welcome, welcome back to the show. Why well, should I guess no, I should you, welcome myself welcome, back? Well, welcome back to you. Welcome back to our show. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I was out last week. Uh, we're doing some prep for reality wrestling. We had a big drive-in show. It was a really successful, safe event, socially distanced. We had a really good time, but there was a lot of run-throughs to go since we had to change locations last minute. However, you held it down. How did it feel? How did it feel to be Bradless? It was weird. I. I it, because I don't run the sh- run the show every week, mm-hmm, it's weird mm-hmm. to like switch into that mode. 
But I did have a couple listeners, viewers come on, and, and we talked a little schmodown and got their thoughts and opinions. And that was actually kind of fun. So uh, I think we might maybe do that in the future. In the future. Oh, not – like live shows. And not have me on and have other people on? No, with you on as well. Oh, okay. I'm invited? Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny is – is typically it's a tradition after a Schmodown throwdown to have Christian Harloff appear on the show. And um, he uh, texted me, and I didn't have my phone around me when you were live, and he asked me for the link. And I, and I didn't yeah, get back to Yeah, I him. didn't, and that's funny too because I was busy like looking at the screen, and I didn't notice that he also had texted me. <laughs> and I sent him, I think, like the link maybe like 30 minutes later before I recognized the message on my phone. Um, so, yeah. That is so yeah, it is. <laughs> so we will next throwdown. We will definitely have or I guess spectacular. Maybe, spectacular. So. We will have hopefully have the. We got to figure on. out what we're going to do for that one because that's about uh, the way I'm. There's six matches, but that thing is going to end up being around seven hours. I think. What we should probably do is like small episodes for each match. Interesting. Right. Or we could just or we could just go live, get it done in two hours, and then call it. We could it do that day. too. We could do that yeah, too. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it we'll out. We'll do that too. That's not for the people to hear. Um speaking of the spectacular, you can purchase a live stream uh pay per view ticket, if you will. Uh as of right now, go to the schmodownlive.com, find out information how you can get those right now. It's gonna be a hot, hot, hot ticket. So you might as well go ahead and get that done instantaneously frank janice i'm excited for the spectacular you know spectacular what was the first one i went to i think i guess it was three so spectacular two was a really fun thing for me because i just started to get to know everybody in the schmodown and um but i was still just on the fan side of things so i was watching it from the comfort of my own home um and then you i and and uh our our former cohort did a four and a half hour podcast on the event (laughs) That's yeah. not an exaggeration, by the way. It was four and a half hours, I remember. Because um, we actually, it's the only podcast where I said, hey, um, I got to take a break. <laughs> yeah, sure we did. I gotta yeah. take, we took like a two-hour break in the middle of a podcast because I was like, I cannot. I cannot right now. Um, and that was back, remember we used to have to record at like 11 o'clock at night? Yeah, we had to do weird times because like both of that's when both of us were essential time and then and David's when he was on West Coast time but we also we had weird working schedules and all that so yeah and then at one was, time uh, it was it was you Aaron and and David's and y'all all had y'all yes. all in different time zones Aaron was East Coast I was Central and David's was West Coast and somehow we made it work for for a while there you know in terms of our schedules lining up to record so but I mean, Aaron, he got the brunt of it because he was ahead of record. He had to start recording at like ten or eleven o'clock at night, you know, and because mm. that means it was like eight o'clock or seven o'clock on the West Coast. It's yeah, it's a whole thing yeah. coordinating between three people. It's rough. That's why that's why the duo works a little bit better now. A little bit. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, spectacular! Yeah. So we did the four and a half hour spectacular uh, podcast, which I think was probably longer than the event itself, and. <laughs> yeah. um, Probably was. I'm not joking. It probably was longer than the event itself. And so that was the last one I took in as a fan for every other Spectacular since I've been there, right? I, I was at Spectacular 3, and then last year you and I got to host a pre-show for Spectacular 4, yeah. um, which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, what was the name of that venue in L.A.? I don't Do remember? remember. But it was you really don't cool. remember? It was really cool. 
it was an awesome venue, but I actually had like nightmares about it afterward because um, I don't know if you remember, I had a bad cold that day. Yeah. And and toward the middle of the show, I didn't have a voice anymore. Like I couldn't talk. Like I couldn't. You couldn't understand what I was saying. And there was the downstairs at this venue. There was this big bank vault door. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. There was like a bank vault. I think it used to be a bank, the building. And there was this big old school 1910s, 1920s door down there. And I just kept thinking (laughs) on my plane ride home and like subsequent days, what if I got stuck behind that door and I couldn't scream because I didn't have a voice? (laughs) I would have died down there. That's what I kept thinking. I was like, I'm so nervous. I never want to go back to this place again. But the venue was cool. Yeah. It was cool. But now this year's spectacular numero cinco, um, which is Spanish for five, for those of you who aren't bilingual like me, um, I'm I'm excited for it because, it, it, of course, it's virtual, and I know that we're different, but we have some more celebrity involvement this year, right? Ke- Kevin Smith and Chris Jericho, both, and, and Brittany Young. Brittany Young. Yeah, all, all have... Brett Sheridan. Brett Sheridan, <laughs> right? Uh, all have matches, right? Brett Sheridan being on a spectacular card is something I never, ever thought would happen. But I'm glad that it is. Yeah, because I think you do need some of that levity with spectacular. Spectacular is so intense and serious with all those title matches. That's why in years past, when we've had the Commissioner Bowl or the Manager Bowl to kick things off, you know, it's a really it's a really fun time, right? Sometimes really crazy, especially like the one you called. You know, that was mm-hmm. um, oh, a lot of fun, so much fun. Yeah. So and then then we get into the nitty gritty with all the title matches. But this year, you know, we have three different singles matches. That's going to be peppered throughout to kind of break up the the seriousness, if you will. I mean, those matches will still be legitimate and play tough, I'm sure of it. But uh, it's nice to kind of br- give 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 us a little bit of a breather because it's going to be an intense um, event with a lot on the line for a lot of these teams and individuals. Oh yeah, yeah, it's going to be super tense. So I like the fact that we're going to have, like you said, that levity in between matches and. And, you know, even WrestleMania has that. WrestleMania would have stuff like the uh, Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal where a dude won. Or you'd have the <laughs> Hardcore Battle Royale, um, which was great from WrestleMania 2000. The gimmick Battle Royal. It, it tends to be Battle Royals, I guess. It's the, the matches that break. You know, one year, I believe it was WrestleMania 19, there was a, a Playboy pillow fight. Good Lord. <laughs> As the oh, like, kind of the break match. Was that yeah. the 90s, I'm assuming? <laughs> so, uh, 19 was like 03, actually. Oh, 03. really? Wow. Okay. 03. Still close enough. Yeah. Close enough to where that kind of thing was still yeah. <laughs> what you would do. Uh, <laughs> a Playboy pillow fight. Can you imagine? Amazing. That you imagine? would not fly today. Absolutely. No. Holy but, crap. But in 03, I was in fifth grade. Big fan. Yeah. Big, big fan. Of the I love pillows. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I want to, you know, just take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this show is wholesome as ever. It, it is. Um, but anyway, Spectacular 5. Go get your... Go get your... <laughs> if that doesn't sell it, I don't know what will, Brad. I don't if know. that doesn't sell it, <laughs> I don't know what will. You are right. Um, so let's talk about the matches that were this week. We had some big ones uh, in the team's tournament uh, going down. That that really some one match was shocking, one wasn't. 
Would yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think um, for the week as a whole, uh, I don't know if we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one was shocking. One wasn't so much, but um, a lot to come out of. I mean, just the first match of the week, right? Lethal weapons and deception. Um, there's a lot that that came out of this match for me, viewing it and like reflecting on what had transpired. As opposed to the Founding Fathers and and the Witching Hour match, while that one was a pretty great match, actually, um, still went the way that I that I figured, and a lot of people did figure. Um, but while while also likewise, Deception and Lethal Weapons, I think that one was a probably fifty fifty split amongst amongst the community here. But what transpired throughout the match, before the match, after the match, uh, I think there's a lot to get into uh, from that one. Yeah, um, well, I guess here's the thing. Let's start with then uh, Deception, which, by the way, awesome name. I love the name Deception. It's cool. They were going to be the Howling Command. No, not the Howling Commandos. The Howl- Howling Lawyers? No, the Howling, <laughs> Lawyer, the howling the howl- Lawyers. It's something with jo- yeah. the yeah. Howling I, Prosecutors. I the howl- howl- no, I don't think it was. It was something like that. Yeah, the law firm. I don't know. It was in- <laughs> <laughs> the long arm of the law. <laughs> oh boy, something um, like that. Yeah, I forget what I, was I the name. I don't know. Marisol dropped it in, in like a in a chat comment once. We're like, yes. Oh, that's really cool. And I forget what it is now. But oh well. But deception, right? It's cool. The it's hound cool of man. the hounds of justice. Something like that. I don't something know. like that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The deception's a lot better at this point. Yeah. Um, deception versus lethal weapons. Okay. We've known about the lethal weapons for a while. We knew that they were going to come around. We knew that they were going to happen. We knew that they were going to be a team. And then it was made official. And I'm going to be somewhat blunt when I say this. But, you know, we always talk about best. Oh, what was the best match of the year? What was the best match of the year? Oh, that was match of the year. Match of the year candidate. Match of the year candidate. We say that a lot on this show. There's definitely... uh, a worse match of the year <laughs> candidate. And it wasn't this one. No, no, no. But it involved one of these members. I think that the worst match this year was the rematch between Ben Bateman and Andrew Guy. I mean, and and I, it doesn't take me, I, I don't get any glee out of that. I, I don't enjoy saying that. Yeah. But just my honest opinion, it was, it was a very poor performance from one half of that match, right? You had one half go perfect. You had the other half go off a cliff. And I felt that with that performance came a lot of pressure in this match because Andrew Guy admittedly has never been the singles god by any means. He had that that, that two-match run where he beat Dan and Riley. And then aside from that, nothing really else of note uh, in the singles division. Now, when you look at his team's record, this guy's done some things. Teams, uh, team tournament finals twice, right? With two different teams, uh, was on the precipice of winning belts with two different teams. Title matches, the whole nine, right? Um, his team's record really meant a lot for them. And then when you think a guy with that kind of team's pedigree, you put him with Ethan Irwin, expectations are high. So I think that the pressure was on Andrew Guy from a multitude of of, of different directions and. I, I just laid them out for you. Ethan Irwin has had the comeback season, the comeback year. It's really him reasserting his dominance 
within the movie Trivia Schmodown. It's kind of like when um, Kevin Durant went out to Golden State and Russell Westbrook was like, hey, uh, by the way, I am really, really good. Um, right. And I'm an average triple-double, right? I don't want to talk about Russell Westbrook anymore, but I'm just saying that's right, my right. – I want my one claim uh, that I want to make about him, and he and he excelled. And this was this was Ethan Irwin's year to remind people, hey, by the way, I'm still a lethal weapon. So the prospect of this team was good, and if you have to look at it from their side, although Adam Collins has been dominating the league uh, for the majority of the season, uh, whether it be the horror free for all the singles tournament, um, everything that he's been able to do and accomplish in his young career. You still say, well, th- this is a rookie team with two rookies. And we're two veterans, one of which has been a singles champion, the other which has done a lot in the teams. One, one of the more decorated, probably Andrew Guy is the most decorated teams player to have never won a championship, right? Uh, when you think about the, the things that he's been able to do and accomplish within the league, in the teams division. So there's a lot riding on them, and you would like to think that they would be the heavy favorites going into this. Am I wrong in my assessment of the stakes of this match for Lethal Weapons? I think as Adam Collins progressed throughout the singles tournament and then eventually won it, I think throughout that period of time, the the favoritism in terms of that matchup, right, Lethal Weapons and Deception, I think the margins got smaller and smaller and smaller until Adam Collins eventually won the whole thing. And then, right. at least in my eyes, it was a 50-50 split because – Adam Collins went on this incredible run, playing at an exceptionally high rate. Marisol, we only saw her a couple of times, but looked really impressive. And she's had other experience outside of the Schmodown in the other leagues. And then you look at Ethan Irwin. I mean, he went on a nice run in the tournament, but also, you know, playing tough matches to begin the begin the year. And then you look at Andrew Guy, who, as you said, played in one of the worst, if not the worst match of the year. But that was a different type of mentality from Andrew Guy, and I thought different the turn, yeah. right, all of that, and I thought the turn back to his more um, deviant way and more focused manner, I thought bode well for this matchup or rather team up, and so for all those reasons, I thought it was going to be a fairly even match, and um, didn't quite turn out that way, Brad. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a little bit, that first round was pretty competitive. Looking at the numbers, 14 to 15, Deception had a one-point advantage there. Um, Ethan Irwin and Adam Collins both went perfect and the bonus. I think they pretty much did what we expected them to do, play at that elite level they've been showing throughout that singles tournament and carrying over here into this uh, first-round matchup of the team's tournament. And then you look at their counterparts, Marisol McKee, she put up six, you know, not the seven or eight-pointer, but still a six is a solid, solid number. And Andrew Guy bringing up the rear with five points, not terrible, but not great. Um, And it did contribute to them being down one point coming out of that first round. But it's nothing insurmountable. It's nothing to really get uh, too bent out out of shape of. Um, We've seen Andrew Guy play worse first rounds. Um, Five and five points here. You know, it it could have been worse if it was four. Then you're really looking at a, a bad performance. But Ethan Irwin is his partner, and likewise for Marisol McKee, Adam Collins is her partner. But I mean, if you went into this match, I think you would rank them. I don't know. You could go back and forth between Ethan Irwin and Adam Collins, but I'd give a little bit of an edge to Ethan Irwin, then Adam Collins, then Marisol, and then there's Andrew Guy. That's how I would have ranked all four players 
in this match and a 15 to 14 first round, um, very high scoring. And I felt like that was going to set the tempo for the rest of the match. But, you know, the wheel does have its ways <laughs> every now and again. Yeah. Um, as far as, okay, you're, you're, you're the statistician. You're the analyst of the numbers. You see things before they happen. When you saw the performance of both teams in round one, which you said you know was fairly decent from both teams, could you could you have could you feel uh, the shift of the match at all? Did you see? Okay, it feels like after looking at the analysis, the the the, the Jenga Janish jackpot here. When I look at the analysis and I and I pull it on the um, on the slot machine here and I, and I look what comes up after that first round. Did you feel like deceptions in a good way? Did you feel like lethal weapons was in a good way? Or or did you think they were about even? I still felt they were even. Um, I think, you know, Andrew Guy, he started off hot with with five in a row. And then he flamed out there at the tail end of that that first round, missing his last three. But I felt like, all right, he did enough. Ethan Irwin is his partner. Ethan Irwin is one of the best, if not the best, second-round player We've seen, at least currently, uh, these past couple of seasons. I mean, he's he has the most perfect first rounds in singles. And yes, those are our four questions. So it's a little bit less to navigate as opposed to a six-question format here for teams. But Andrew Guy is bound to know something, you know, and he's no slouch when, he, when he's able to bounce, I think, off of a really knowledgeable player like Ethan Irwin. And likewise for Deception. Adam Collins has proven to be extremely knowledgeable. And it's everything, again, in the first round, but just now they're combined, right? So going into the second round, I, I still I still felt like it was going to be a, a slugfest. And um, Deception, it turns out, really did their homework. And when they had the opportunity to implement what they had learned, they executed it to a T and it worked out for them. And, and that means... Deception, getting Harrison Ford, rolling through that they just missed. They were one multiple choice um, answer or de- selecting multiple choice from a perfect six for six, 12 points. They had 11 in their in their turn. And then Lethal Weapons spins and they hit opponent's choice. I know there's a lot of consternation about how opponent's choice can swing matches. And, and, and I think... That is true. However, it does not mean when you get handed opponent's choice that it, that it is as much of a death sentence as you might think. I ran the numbers because I saw this earlier in the week from the Patreon viewers and wondering, well, what is the win-loss record for teams that get opponent's choice? Well, before this match, the record for opponent, for a team landing on opponent's choice is 12 wins and 12 losses. Right, so there's some different kind of scenarios in there we could point towards. Oh well, maybe this team didn't quite know their weakness. So, but nonetheless, these are at, at a 500 record, it still gives you a fighting shot. But Deception doing their homework figured out that Hitchcock would be a good way to go if they got this opportunity. If this opportunity came to them, and the more I think about it, I think it's really brilliant because does Andrew Guy seem like the type of guy who is going to know a whole lot about Hitchcock? No. And that means you're basically eliminating, almost eliminating, one player from participating in that second round. So that means Ethan Irwin's almost 
going to be on his own for six questions? And is he even good at it? And it turns out, not that great. They ended up, Lethal Weapons got five points out of that round, uh, only hitting four of their six. And wow. they gave up two huge steal opportunities to Deception, who capitalized on that for two huge for a collective of four points. And this second round is extremely infuriating for me to watch because Break it down. this match did not have to end in a knockout. It did not. If Lethal Weapons, if Ethan Irwin, Andrew Guy, and Sam Levine are paying attention to the score, they should know that if they go to multiple choice on that last question and Deception were to steal it, they cannot get knocked out. They go to the third round, and then whatever happens, happens. Still, odds are heavily against them in that scenario, sure. But they don't get knocked out and look like fools. Same thing when they decided not to go to multiple choice on that first question. It's like, come on. Like, it's the first question. Try and get some points. Because then by missing that question, they just looked completely deflated after that. Like, well, all right, here we go. And they just totally sabotaged that entire second round by not going to multiple choice. Now, maybe they would have still missed it, but they only give up a one-point steal then. It was it was mind-blowing to me that someone who thinks about the game so much and Sam Levine and Andrew Guy for that matter, and I think even more now as Ethan Irwin continues to play year after year, that this just somehow was, was once they got Hitchcock, it, w- it was over for them. Andrew Guy, I think, was like, I don't know anything here. I can't help you out. Um, I'm, he knew, I think, the Jimmy Stewart, but even then he wasn't completely sure, but still got it, sure. Ethan Irwin was just floundering out there trying to figure out you know, I think it's this or it's that. And they went to multiple choice three times, got them all right. This was just extremely dumb gameplay from, you just talked about Andrew Guy's uh, history of being uh, one of the best team players, most decorated players, right? Yep. Who hasn't won any, who hasn't won a title. And he puts up this kind of, this, this strategy just kind of lets it fall by the wayside. And I understand there's this other narrative of, well, Andrew Guy plays better, uh, in studio or at a live event. And well, I mean, I, I think that he kind of does, right? I mean, every time that we see him, whether it's the Dan Merle match, the Mark Riley match, uh, even playing the Shire Wolves that time, he had the he didn't say Giancarlo Stanton. He knew it was Esposito, right? Right. I feel like I feel like he probably is better. So, all right. Well, <laughs> before I get into what this really means for deception, I kind of want to look at that narrative of. I played better in studio or I played better at a live event, this narrative, at least specifically for Andrew Guy. He doesn't like the online format this year, and I understand that. Um, I don't really like it, but it is what it is. But he also seems to like chalk it up to this is how this is why I'm performing this way, because it's online. It, it's a really interesting thing to put out there because saying I'm a better player in live events or in studio, I don't know how that makes sense because you know what you know going into that match. Mm -hmm. Just because you go into the studio or in a live event doesn't mean all of a sudden you're going to know Hitchcock 
questions or answers to Hitchcock questions that you didn't know before that all of a sudden these answers are just going to come to you? No. No, this this was going to happen in a live event or in a studio match for Andrew Guy and for Ethan Irwin. They just didn't know the answers to the questions. It's not like they've seen the movies really well, they know all this stuff, and are like they're trying to get to it and they just couldn't pull it. It wasn't even any of that. It was, at least for Andrew Guy, I haven't seen this stuff. So how could you possibly know the answers in a live event or a studio match? No, this was going to happen. And when I look at the Andrew Guy over the past few seasons, you look at how he's played before the digital age, right? Looking at singles, he's 3-2. and two. He's 3-2, and two, answering 57% of his questions. That's not good. You, that's not good, right? And he got knocked out and TKO'd in that 3-2. and two. Yeah, he did beat Dan Merrill at collision. He answered like 80% of his questions. But that follow-up match against Riley was god-awful by both of them, and yet he still was able to TKO Riley. Sure, two awesome feathers in your cap, but after that, what have you done? You got smoked by Ben Bateman in Houston at a live event, which apparently you played better in? I don't know. You got smoked, Sure. The wheel didn't go your favor, but you only answered five questions in that match. Five out of 12 that you were asked. So it's just... And then going back, you brought up the Shire Wolves live event match. Right. He played okay. In that final round, he got a three-point question. I forget the, the question in the category, but he got that wrong. So... I didn't say he was a perfect and, player. Also, in that first round against the Shirewolves, in a live event, he got three questions right in the first round. Not good. <laughs> Where is this better player? I play better in a live studio, in a live event. Where is this player? I don't know what he's talking about or what anyone's talking about when they say that. You don't know what you don't know when you head into a live event. And looking at his total since 2018, his numbers, he's answering 63%. He's seven and three. Stop. But he's answering sixty. Yeah, but he's answering sixty-three percent. Right. In that throwdown earlier this year, when he was still with Drew McWeeney, he missed another three-pointer in that final round. Right. So, I mean, he had a seven-point first round in that match, which is great. But he's too wildly inconsistent, and then you're missing three-pointers in the final round. That's how you yeah. win big matches. Um, in big spots. So, again, if you're answering 63% as a team's player over the past, since 2018, and you're answering 57% in your singles matches since 2018, all of that was live events and studio matches. Not good. Not good. So to blame it on the online format, I just don't buy it. Yeah, I mean... Hmm. I get that. Okay. Coming from a performer's viewpoint, right? Like, yeah. I understand what he means by when the lights and cameras are rolling, you're in that environment, or you have an audience to feed off of. I feel like I'd, I perform better, right? Um, maybe not in terms of trivia, though. But right. and in terms of being an entertainer, when I have that crowd in front of me that I can work off of and, and I can get that instant feedback, you know, when I send the message out, they decode it. They send it right back to me. They get that feedback with laughter or applause or whatever it is, right? You feed off of that as a performer. So 
as far as Andrew Guy goes, that character that he did in the Ben Bateman uh, match from earlier this year on the Zoom or on the StreamYard, it doesn't come across the same way that it would if he w- if he was doing that character live in front of a crowd. We would have bought into it, right? We would have we would have been behind it. It would have been entertaining. It I still been fun. love that online performance from him. As as that character, you know, I I wasn't the biggest fan, but I appreciate the swing. You know what I mean? Sure. Okay. I appreciate the swing. If you swing for the fences, you know that I love that. I I I will always love that. Um, it's very Andy Kaufman of him, right? You know, taking a chance and just going for it, and and I appreciated it. But in front of a live crowd, I think that it would have had a great response, and we would have looked at it the way that some of us might, you know, myself included. So from that aspect, I understand. And then also, you know, when pressure's on, sometimes you can pull information that you couldn't if you're just sitting there bored, right? So I think that there's a, a kernel, a kernel of truth to he performs better on stage or in front of an audience. However, men lie, women lie, numbers don't, as the old saying goes. And his numbers, that's not great. Did you say 63%? 63% in teams since 2018, yeah. That's not great. And what would be the av- – do you have anybody else's team average in front of you by um, chance? Yeah, I can pull it up real quick. What are you looking – trying to look at? Just go for Ben Bateman. Let's just go for his – His uh his lifetime team's performance? Yes. Okay, yeah, I can pull that up real quick. Let me see here. So, because I'm just curious to know, like, what an elite player that so a player that we consider elite mm-hmm. would do, like his former teammate. Team. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and I mean, that's the only reason. I mean, obviously, they're kind of synonymous with one another. So I'm curious as to see what somebody, you know, would do in a lifetime, and we can kind of gauge it that way. We can give the people because 67 or 63 percent. I mean, that's more than half, right? I mean. We're doing a test. It's not a passing grade, but it's a D minus. So some people might say that's good. So I want to get a barometer out there. Yeah, and and, and again, like this number also in his play, you look at the league this year and last year and how much players are progressing and playing at a higher and higher level. Andrew Guy's level of play isn't quite hitting that mark, right? There's I will take nothing away from Andrew Guy as a – performer the character he's put out he put out there i I consider him the greatest performer the greatest character performer we have ever seen in the schmodown i will never take that away from him the the thing that just irks me about andrew guy is that he could literally have the schmodown in the palm of his hand with that great character work if he was just better at the trivia aspect and i do have sympathy for him because no one's been able really to pull that off. There's been little short runs. Andrew Guy had that little short run in 2018, beating Merle and, and Riley, and it was a great time in the Schmodown. Uh, Mike Kalinowski had that run, trying to Mikey three balls, all of that. But then it's hard to maintain that. But so I do, I do sympathize or empathize with the task that Andrew Guy is trying to accomplish, but. I'm also getting, you know, this is also stemming from the words he was saying pre-match and post-match about his opponents in Marisol and and, and um, Adam Collins. But to answer your question about Ben Bateman, Ben Bateman, his lifetime accuracy in teams, in 22 team matches, Ben Bateman is answering 78%. 78%. 
78% lifetime in teams. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's a considerable uptick comparative to his former partner, right? That's yeah. a significant uptick. Um, but, you know, I mean, still, you know, it's not like 92 to 62. And 78 still a significant uptick. But I, I, but I, 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 I applaud what you're trying to do, Brad. I applaud what you're trying to do. <laughs> Look, I, what I say, I appreciate a big swing. You yeah, know what I mean, I yeah, appreciate yeah. a big swing. Um, but I, I hear you. So what, what? Okay, they get knocked down the second round. It's 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 Im- is it embarrassing loss? I mean, look, people get knocked out all the time, right? It's, it's it, not it happens. that they got knocked out. It's the manner in which it happened. It didn't have to happen. That's the thing. It didn't have to happen. So I mean, is Andrew Guy solely to blame for that? No, no, no. That's why I didn't mention Sam Levine. There, you know, as someone who thinks about the game a lot, I think, um, and I don't know this to be true or not, but I think he got Ethan Irwin. He was like, let's put this baby on autopilot. He's going to do Ethan Irwin things. And typically Mm -hmm. Ethan Irwin does. I mean, yeah, he had a perfect first round. But when there is, I guess, managing to be done um, in in certain situations – arise you should be prepared for them and and re- and relay that type of information to your team you know hey look they had a perfect nearly a perfect first round let's not let this thing got get out of hand you know we got dealt opponent's choice and it's hitchcock yeah not great but check the multiple choice if you need it. like if we have to do that let's stay in this because we just got to get to the final round and, and and anything can happen there, right? They can miss a three and a five, and then, hey, we can come out the winners, right? Um, none of that was really going on, right? So that's a little bit disappointing for me to watch because, again, of the minds over there, I, I think they should have like, – this knockout should not have happened. It just shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I get your point. So my question now is where do we go now? You know where do where do we go from here? Well, where do we go from here for the lethal weapons? That's an interesting question because Christian in the broadcast made it quite clear, and as Andrew Guy has stated um, online, not for him, can't do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so if next year, and it looks the way this world's going, it looks like we're gonna still be online beginning of next season, right? At least in the first quarter. At least the first quarter, hopefully. But I'm, I'm the pessimistic side of me is like at least half the year. And oh, I don't think it's that. Long. I know that's, that's like I said. That's the pessimism in me, pessimistic um, side of me. That means does Sam Levine want to keep Andrew Guy? Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said it, and I think we saw hints of it on backstage a couple weeks ago. Of Sam Levine, Ben Bateman. That could be a thing. Ben Bateman playing with Ethan Irwin mm-hmm. as their as his one two. Could because mm. if Andrew Guy, if we're you know doesn't want to play online and we have to play online, we're just going to leave Ethan Irwin sit and and not get you any points for the team's division. Yeah, you know, I, nah, you can't you can't waste that kind of talent like that. So you have to pair him with somebody who wants to who who's okay with playing online and wants to play online. And if the Andrew Guy's not that player. You know, it, I think uh, I wish we were in studio. 
I really do. And like I said, I, I will never take anything away from Andrew Guy in terms of a performer and the character that he delivers to us because it's insanely uh, enter- entertaining. And I love to see that. But I, I don't know how much um, or how much longer Andrew Guy is playing this game as a player. I'd love to see him eventually as a manager if that's what he wants to do or even call in matches. Hell, uh, I still would love to see him involved. I just, if he's not down to put in the time to get better at this game, because unfortunately for him, there's a vast majority of players who are doing incredible things in terms of upping their game. I don't know if Andrew Guy is doing that or needs to adjust what he's doing. There's a lot of a lot of things that I think he's got to look at in terms of what does he want to do? Does he want to devote that time? I understand. That's a lot of time to devote to. And if he if he's not up for it or he can't do it, I get it. But then let's let's find somewhere else to put him because I don't want to see him leave the showdown. I don't. But I do want to see him successful in any capacity that it may be in. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. He is as long as Andrew Guy wants to be a part of the movie Trivia Schmodown, he will be a benefit to the movie Trivia Schmodown. 100%. However, I'm, I'm not I'm not in disagreement with you. I still think that he has something to offer as a player. Um, that's just me, especially when these live events come around. Look, you put the you put Andrew Guy on the marquee, what's going to happen? Tickets are going to be sold. Let me, ask you though, let me ask you, though. If he's, if he's getting TKO'd and knocked out at these matches... At these live events, is that really? Do you want to go pay for that? Do you want to go see that? Okay, okay. And, you and, know what? and the and the other thing is, okay, maybe he's not playing these players that would knock him out or TKO. But do you want to see him continually play the Robert Meyer Burnett's of the world and eke out wins that way? Damn, that's not incredibly fun for me. It would get kind of old after a while. How'd you know I was going to bring up Robert Meyer Burnett? How'd you know? Because I'm the truth. You knew I was about to bring that. But you know, sometimes it's like, look, Conor McGregor. We can say. A lot of his magnetism was his personality, how he, what the things that he said, the way he carried himself, the suits that said "F you" in the lining, right? All that stuff. We that's what we appreciate about Connor. Now he was a he was a great fighter. Right? Exactly. He was a great fighter. Did he win for a moment? For a moment, he started to win. Yeah, he won. He became the double champ, right? But after he took that L to Floyd, then he took the L to Khabib. Uh, he wasn't the same guy. And what does he come back? He comes back and beats a glorified journeyman in Donald Cowboy Cerrone in 54 seconds. He's gonna feed, he's now he's gonna face a guy that he's already beat before in Dustin Poirier. I say that to say, people just want to see Conor McGregor in Octagon. And yeah, there is something to be said for that for sure. I'll concede that. Yeah. So, it might be the same in in regards to Andrew Guy. People just want to see him. I mean, I'm yeah. right there with you, but like, it's got to be, you know, he's got to be put in good positions to where, you know, it, it, it's worth it. Right. That's where I'm right. From. We'll see. We'll see. But um, let us know what y'all think in the comments below. Tweet us. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that Frank Janice is going to get a lot of hate tweets uh, at FrankieJ29. So go ahead and That's send them over. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to look forward to in the morning, yeah. pal. But um, go ahead. deception on this on this match. Let's talk about deception. Talk about him. Look, Andrew Guy called him boring. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but I still I'm still entertained by them. Yeah, they're not the flamboyant, you know, 
um, not boisterous. You know, they don't have, you know, the, the weird soliloquies of Finstock or the bombastic nature of an Andrew Guy um, or the loud mouth of a Josh McCuga. But they have their own version of entertainment, and that's answering a hell of a lot of questions correctly and winning matches and knocking out veterans, right? That's what they've been doing. Adam Collins mostly, right? And then now Marisol's joining on the party here with this match. I find that particularly entertaining, and I understand if other people don't. But here's here's the other thing. Um, these, these players that come out from the fan leagues and other leagues um, – like Chance and Paul Yama, didn't have like the greatest characters or personality, or whatever. It took them a little bit, it took them a little bit, and and now they're really finding their footing and in, in, in their place. I suspect this will happen with Adam Collins and Marisol McKee uh, in the future. A little more difficult to do that over a Zoom call or a stream yards, what have you. Um, so yeah, they're a little bit more at a disadvantage, kind of getting some pointers from other players in studio or from Christian himself. Because um, also we're not really doing a whole lot of character work. It's just it's very isolated, right? So I'm not putting too much stock into into what they're like this year. I still think Marisol's gimmick as Lady Justice is it's pretty good. And Collins, I think you know. Howl of Justice. Howls of Justice. Yeah. Okay. There it is. You got it. There it is. I knew I'd it. get it eventually. <laughs> but uh, you know, <laughs> um, and look, they have a great manager in Shannon Barney to kind of pick up that slack. And so I think right now it's a pretty good um dynamic going on and can they win the title yeah i think so i think they're good enough can they do it this year um as you saw in the uh promo for odd couple category nine i've picked odd couple to win the tournament you know i said it on the show again weeks ago and now deception has to play odd couple and in this in, in the semifinal I'm still sticking with my pick, but it kills me because I am rooting for deception. Um, it's going to be a hell of a it's going to be a hell of a battle, and I think it's going to be the battle that I think we're hoping to get with this match. I think we're going to definitely get it against the Odd Couple and Deception. Now, now, if if Deception goes all the way, could they beat Shazam? Give us some Roni, brother. Oh yeah. And if you find the I don't think so. Oh, okay. I don't. I think Brendan Meyer has really, really upped his game. I think Marisol is kind of where where Brendan Meyer was last year, and so, but Marisol also has that same potential as Brendan Meyer, um, and she might even surprise more. I mean, she was a huge asset in this match, especially when cl- sealing the deal here on that that second steal. You know, was it train? You know, because Adam Collins. Seemed, seemed like his connection was getting a little messed up there and couldn't quite hear or communicate what was going on. So Marisol just took the reins and was like, I know, I know it's train. And with that, sealed the deal, got the knockout, and you know she brought it home. So no doubt Marisol is going to be a very strong player of the future. If these two teams were to meet Deception and Shazam, I would still give the edge to Shazam. Their numbers are just ridiculous. Ridiculous, and they have been from the onset. I mean, Deception... Um, answered. I didn't even do the math. I didn't even finish the math here. Ow. So they had they had 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. They missed two questions, right? And two of those came from Marisol um, in that first round. So that that's a percentage of 
92% correct, right? Um, they're dangerous. They're a dangerous team to, and, and should be taken seriously. And I know Jeff Snyder will definitely take deception seriously. I mean, he played Allen Collins. He knows he's the real deal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark and Draco always gives credit due where it's due. Same thing with Roxy. So no doubt they also want to get revenge on Adam Collins for that singles final, tournament final. So it's going to be a hell of a battle, and I, I really cannot wait. Um, that one could, could possibly set all types of records. I wouldn't be shocked. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens in the futuro. That's Spanish for future, Frank, um, in case you didn't know. Uh, and let's talk about, though, quickly, because there, there's definitely some meat on the bone to talk about in this match as well. Um, with the Founding Fathers and the Witching Power, Witching Power were able to eke uh, by in a... In a um, Play-in match, they were able to win the play-in match, I should say, yeah. and get into the, the tournament proper. But they're drawing the short stick. It was like, um, remember in the in the tournament a couple of years ago? I think it was the um, what what did we call the corruption tournament? What was it called earlier this year? The corruption no, invitation? No, 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 no. What do you do? A couple of years ago, when all the teams got mixed up. Oh, anarchy! You talking about anarchy? Thank you. God, I couldn't think of what it was called. Anarchy, you know, back when Anarchy first happened and John Roca and Dan Merle were paired up yeah. um, together. Remember, I think the first team that they faced, and I could be wrong, I believe it was Winston Marshall and Stacey Howard. Yeah, it was that the right? team of, wait, I know this. Funny, really funny story. At that live event, I didn't know their team name. And so I went up to Winston and I was like, hey, what's your team name? He's like, wait, I know this. And I was like, no, okay. <laughs> it was like, wait, that oh, that is that's your team name. Okay. All right. It's like who's on first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, I know. Um, by the way, shocked to know how many people have never seen the who's on first bit. I've seen shocked. it. Shocked. I've seen, seen the shirt. It? Have you seen the shirt? It's like the shirt, whole thing is written on a shirt. Oh, really? I've yeah. Never seen yeah. That it's like front and back. Like, Front and back, well, I think, yeah. Have you ever seen where they did it on Seinfeld? Uh, not Seinfeld. They did it on The Tonight Show. No. And Jerry Seinfeld does does it with him. And he comes out and he's like, does it in the Seinfeld way. He goes, what you don't understand is this guy's name. His actual name is who? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, so that was their first match. And I, and I remember it was in the tournament and I just felt like it was unlucky drawing by, wait, I know this. I feel the same for the witching power. Although Perry knocked out Mike, and we've seen great flashes of brilliance from Haley Fouch, I thought this was them getting the short stick. I mean, yeah, when you're in the playing match, what do would you expect? You know, you're going up against the most recent, um, well, almost most recent teams champion. Out mm-hmm. Now twice removed, I guess you could say. Um yes. A lot of pedigree behind Roka and Merle, obviously. Merle, still the singles champion, right? Uh, hasn't lost a singles match all year. We'll find out what happens at Spectacular. So there's a lot, yeah, that Haley Fouch and Perry Nemiroff are going up against. Um, but a 14-12 first round is, I think, more than the Witching Power could have ever asked for. Being within two points, um, that's a great situation to be in. Because I think when you get into situations or matches like this and you feel like you're the the severe underdog, your whole game plan almost becomes, how do I get to a five-pointer scenario, 
right? You don't, you know, it doesn't mean you have to be within, you have, so there's a gap, right? As long as you're within like four points, you know, and you do what you need to do in that final round and you can force uh, an established team, a veteran player or team like the Founding Fathers, they have to hit their five to win it. Hey, cool, we're down by two. Let's make sure we're not down by much out of the second round. Maybe, you know, tie it up or what have you, best case scenario. And they did that. Um, they were with Founding Fathers every step of the way. And the Witching Power, they got opponent's choice, right? They got dealt 80s after they spun away from it. And a very gutsy, tough second round. A lesser team would have given up, right, <laughs> uh, once they were dealt opponent's choice. But they didn't. They yeah. went multiple choice. They took, sweet, they took I think, educated swings when they felt like, I think really think this is it. They got a couple two-pointers filled in with some uh, multiple choice there. And then they capitalized on a steal opportunity that Founding Fathers left for them. Um, and if you look at the point totals just for the second round, Founding Fathers only outscored the Witching Power nine points to eight. So now it's only a three-point deficit mm-hmm. for Witching Power, 23 to 20 going to that final round. And that's what I'm talking about. Get to that five-point scenario where you're answering your five so that they can they they need to answer their five, hopefully. Right. Um, they got pretty close. They made Founding Fathers answer a two- and three-pointer. Um, and I thought they got a pretty tough five-pointer new releases. Um, the Witching Power, that is, just wasn't meant to be. And, you know, Founding Fathers, I think they still played a great game there. Founding Fathers, 22 out of 25 questions, 88% correct. Witching Power answered 20 out of 26. That's just a shade under 77% accuracy. So a 28 to 25 final. I think it's a, a great match for a team in the Witching Power who have only played two matches together, albeit all online. Uh, right. It was a solid showing. I think um, you know if they were to be a team next year, depending on how things work out with the draft and signing players, I still think they can take some steps, um, you know, or the you know to to elevate their game a little bit. And who knows, maybe playing like this, much like it did for Perry, maybe it still keeps that fire burning and wanting to get better and and maybe study a little bit more and prepare a little bit more. And who knows what what they could do next year because. They're not going to be always be facing the Founding Fathers type of team. You know, there will be some more rookie teams out there that they might be able to take a swing at and see what they can do and and build a record, build a resume. And um, I don't know if they're going to vie for titles, but I think they'll be very good for the league, uh, very competitive within the league. And, I mean, they already are. So um, I'm just looking forward to see what they could possibly do next year. Uh, yeah, I think that there's promise there so long as they can stay together. They're, I think that they could be competitive, especially if they get some, uh, you know, more practice under their belt, understand one another a little bit more. I think that they have similar interests and similar strengths, which a lot of the times doesn't right. lend in your favor. But I think there's enough differences there to where they could make something happen with a couple study sessions and hey you take pixar Mm -hmm. i'll take 90s right you take you know you know what i'm saying right stuff like that doing doing some some of those study drills they can definitely catch up on the knowledge gaps that they might have and and get to a place to where they're going to be a beneficial team founding fathers this was a must win game for them (laughs) must 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 win there was no other option here they had to win i think this was a good longest yard tune-up game for them in in the sense of John Roca needed to get his confidence 
back, and I'm not saying that he lost it, but just winning, right? You yeah. always hear coach. You always hear coaches say, you know, if you're going through a shooting rut, you just need to see the ball go through the hoop, and then it's all over, right? Then you're you're back on your game. And I think that's what Roka needed with this. He just did. I think that he went in confident that they would win, but he needed to get the dub. Needed to get the dub, and and Dan as well. You know, Dan as well. Uh, Dan, Dan as well. You know, you don't want to rest on your laurels. You want to earn everything you got. That's always been Dan Merle's style of play. Always been Joe and Roka's style of play. So I think that them winning is 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 good for the the health of that team and the health of them as individual players. And we'll see what happens with the next round. Who are they going to play next? They're playing final exam. And yikes, yeah, because final exam the way they just handled their business against Tom and Paul. Uh, they're a scary team. Scary team. And, like, their only loss is to Shazam, and it was a tough match, right? Um, final exam, man. They're the real deal. I mean, Paul Young was playing phenomenal. Lon seemed to bounce back um, after uh, flaming out there in the singles getting, was it, uh, he got KO'd, right, against Adam yep. Collins. So yep. uh, he had a good showing again uh, in that match. And, look, we're going to see Paul Yama, Dan Merle. John Roca. These are guys that he has played. You know, he lost Roca earlier in the year. All singles champions. All singles champions, right? And um, and Lon's no slouch, you know. So that one, I think, is going to be even more of a slobber knocker than I think um, Odd Couple and Deception. I mean, we have yeah. two phenomenal semifinal yeah. matches coming up next week. Uh, it's going to be just. It's going to be incredible, and I can't. I can't. I really can't wait for those matches. Whoa, but, whoa, whoa, whoa! Calm down. Hey. It's going to be okay. We're going to get there. I love this game, Brad. <laughs> um, but I want to say, yeah, you said this was a must-win for Founding Fathers. It was a must-win for Founding Fathers, must-win for the FinSec Exchange as a whole. Because, look, Deception getting four points off of Lethal Weapons, I didn't think that was going to happen. A TKO or a KO right. scenario. So they got four. So that puts Corruption still at the top of the table with 66 points. Now, right, final exam won last week, so that brought their total up to 52. Oh, by the way, again, that Dewberry, you know, win over Makuga, just another devastating corruption v. Swag match, right? So Swag is down 14 points to corruption at this point. Founding Fathers, even with the win, they're still down 16 points to corruption. Right. And we have the semifinal match and the tournament final match. If Founding Fathers can win both of those, Minimum six points. They're looking at ten points, but that's Oof. assuming Deception loses the odd couple, which is 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 a coin flip, if you ask me. And if Deception beats the odd couple, it's almost a lock. They win the faction race. If they win the tournament, it's for sure done, right? So if I'm Swag or Founding Fathers uh, or Swag or Finstock Exchange, rather. I'm really rooting for the odd couple because if corruption gets 69, possibly 70 points, it's almost a lock at that point, right? Even more so, they win the whole tournament. And now, now they're right. playing three title matches that's spectacular. I tweeted out, I just looked this up on October 11th. I tweeted out my prediction for what it would take to win, how many points it would take to win the faction war, the faction title. I said 66 points plus or minus one. Corruption has 66 points now with that with that mm. four-point win. Mm. 
the good thing for corruption is that Swag and FinSock Exchange got to beat up on each other next week. So that automatically eliminates one. And then if Deception gets past Odd Couple, they can take out possibly Final Exam or the Founding Fathers and just put the kibosh and won't and spectacular will kibosh. be will be the corruption spectacular just like it was for Inner Geekdom Invitational corruption Invitational all of that um, to run three tournaments this year would be insane Crazy. they've already done two who's to say they can't do a third because a performance like we just saw from Deception yeah it could happen we shall see Frankie boy Janish. Great week of the movie trivia showdown. As always, there's more to come. And spectaculars right around the corner. Make sure you go to the showdownlive.com. Get your tickets, your your live stream tickets for the spectacular numero cinco. Again, Frank Janice, that's Spanish for five. In case you didn't know, oh yeah, five. Yeah. Yeah. Uno, okay. dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cinco de mayo. Yeah. Now I get it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is uh, on the fifth of every month. We eat the mayonnaise. Um, but for Frank Janish, why don't you let the people know where they can find you and follow you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FrankieJ29. I also, this past week, uh, guested on the Let's Get Ready uh, podcast talk show network. Uh, they did they, they do a Star Wars show called The Holocram. I was on there talking with Bedore and Justin Hamilton. That was a lot of fun, so if you like Star Wars and – uh, yes, I talk about Star Wars from time to time. I did it with those fine folks over there, and that was a lot of fun. So go check it out. Also, they also um, – I don't know if you've seen this, Brad, but today as we're recording this, which is a Thursday, uh, BTS little thing. Fourth wall. Yeah. Um, they tw- they did an interview with Mark Hoyk, and Mark Hoyk in this clip they released on their Twitter from their um, interview they're going to release later. Um, this clip, Mark Hoyk is doing a Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation. You need to go watch this. It's good? Dude. It's really good. (laughs) It's really good. And it's like, apparently he's like a huge wrestling fan. So. Oh. News to me. Yeah. Go check out that clip. Yeah. Uh, You can find me on all social media at Brad Gilmore. Speaking of wrestling, check out my show, The Hall of Fame with Booker T, the five-time WCW champion, six-time world champion, and two-time Hall of Famer. You can also check out the new season seven of Back to the Future, the podcast. We just had Darlene Vogel on the show today. Uh, as we're taping this, she played Spike in Back to the Future Part 2. She also was in Back to the Future The Ride. She's known for her famous line, What's wrong, McFly? You got no, no scrope. <laughs> uh, so is, that, enjoyed... is that a shirt somewhere? It's got to be. That needs to be a shirt. It was the name of the episode, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so uh, go go check that out and, uh, and all the other stuff. Whatever else I have, go check it out. For Frank Janish, my name is Bo Brank. This is the Schmodown Rundown, and we will run down the Schmodown next week. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. 
you've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.